0: So today, um, if if you weren't here Wednesday, we did a little review on vision. I mentioned last week that we're going to spend a couple services talking about vision and 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 what we're doing here at Gates and, and the direction in, in which we're going. And we talked, we we took vision on Wednesday night and talked about our upcoming. Uh, connect groups that are beginning here before long. just continue to listen and hear about those and and uh, they're, they're going to kick off before long but if if you weren't here on Wednesday, it'd be good for you to go listen to that message so that you know some more about it and and what we're doing and 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 so today i'm going to take <clears throat> a few things that we have discussed over the last few months on February the nineteenth was Vision night, where we cast vision for this year, and we shared a little bit of that on Wednesday night, just as a re- some reminders, and then, and 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 then, brought it into uh, how our connect groups are beginning and, and what those are going to be about, and then, uh, on in May we had a financial meeting, where we cast vision. It was for members, and we cast vision in that meeting uh, for. Uh, the the financial aspect of the ministry here, and something that is going to begin this year that we will have on a year-to-year basis, which is called a Heart for the House offering, where we have an offering once a year that you're able to prepare for and give into to help fulfill and, and complete this house. There's still portions of this place that aren't finished and landscaping and and things all across the front you can when you drive up to the front of our property you can see that that's not you know the most inviting front that you've ever seen because we're not finished with it yet and we haven't we haven't been able to work on the front of that because of those big poles and high wires and stuff and we're now just having the opportunity to to do some things with the front of that because uh, that's finished but um but we've got things to accomplish and to, and, and to uh, bring about and to fulfill here. And, and we want to give you the opportunity to be a part of that. And that will be something at, at a later date, this Heart of the House offering. But, but I want to just share a little bit about it to kind of begin to prepare you for what that even looks like. You know, uh, what the Scripture even discusses about about understanding the vision of the house and then wearing the restraint of the vision. Understanding vision and then wearing the restraint of the vision. Um, in, um, in the Old Testament, in the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk or whatever it is, um, In in this book is a passage um, that I want you to look at. Habakkuk, I'll call it, chapter two, and starting with verse two. And the Lord answered and said, the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it, that he may run, who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So he said, write the vision and make it plain, write the vision down and make it plain. This year we've cast vision like we've not cast in any other year that we've been here as a church. And one of the things we've talked about, or two specific things that we've talked about throughout this year uh, since February, is understanding the passage in Luke 15 where Jesus talked about Leaving the 99 and going after the one and understanding what that means to each individual person about having somebody in your life that you're focused on that doesn't know God or maybe knows God you, you don't know one way or the other but but focusing in on that one person and learning learning to allow time and energy in your life to get off yourself and have time to think about somebody else. I'm not talking about preaching to people. I'm not talking about, you know, wearing people out with religious jargon and wearing them out with, you know, you need to be in church kind of a thing. Most people don't understand church. They don't understand what it is, and they don't understand the purpose of it. So one of the reasons that we've been establishing vision in this house is so that you understand how to wear the restraints of the vision. How to wear and put on the restraints. The word word restraint is defined several different ways, but I'm just going to give you a few words that define the word restraint. Restraint. To, to restrain is to have action or influence. To have action or influence. It's a means of or a device for restraining as a harness for the body. Now, somebody just yell out what's the first word that comes to your mind when you think of the word harness. Harness horse Mm -hmm. and does that harness hold the horse back does it keep the horse from doing what it was created to do no no No. it looks like it 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 could look like it is you know you stick that harness over the head and you put the bit in the in in the horse's mouth right and you got the reins and somebody's going to get on the horse and they're going to move in a certain direction that 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 piece on the horse, saddle on the horse and you're riding the horse versus the horse being wild and being able to do whatever it wants to do, what's the difference in the two of those? To me, the difference is, the difference is this. The horse that's free to do whatever he wants to do is really not accomplishing anything. He's running around, he's eating, you know. Butting into other horses, you know, messing around, not with with very little purpose in life at all. But one who one who's been a horse that's been you know broken. I don't know everything about horses, but I mean you know I'm just telling you what I've learned on TV. <clears throat> <laughs> what I've learned from John Wayne movies. <clears throat> anyway, so so a horse that a horse that's been broken. All right, and and he'll he'll. Take the reins, and he'll take the bit, and he'll take the harness, and he'll take whatever he needs, and he'll take the saddle, and he'll—he's been trained to move in a certain direction. Then he's accomplishing a task. And you know, people that their their attitude and mentality about church is ah, you just take it or leave it. You go when you want to, you do whatever you want. You kind of you know, uh, we're the church, and I'll show up when I want to and do whatever I want to. But but that kind of attitude is not wearing the restraint of the vision of the house, okay? This place, this house, is is a meeting place for the church. This isn't the church. You can meet anywhere. You can meet outside. You can meet in the park. You can meet, you know, in a movie theater. We proved for ten years you can meet anywhere. We met in nine different buildings in nine or ten different years. And we proved it. You can do it. wasn't easy, but you can do it, right? So this isn't the church. This is a building or a house. It is a house that God built so that the church can meet. So how nice should this place be? What should what should be the image and the reflection of this place? Anybody ever been to Disney World? few people? Anybody ever want to go to Disney World? Sure you do. When you drive up to Disney World, when you drive onto the grounds of Disney World, it's immaculate. It's immaculate everywhere you go. I mean, if you're walking by smoking a cigarette somewhere, and you just flick your cigarette butt over there, there's a guy picking it up before it hits the ground. I swear, I mean, it's like where did that guy come from? You know, I mean, he just he came up out of. I mean, it's, it's magical. It's Disney. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, it it it's an amazing place, and everything is manicured and everything is right and everything is the way you know your mind says it should be. Nobody that goes there says, "Well, you know, it's too nice here." No. No, you you don't, you don't think that. You think this is the way it should be. And why should the church be any different? In fact, if the church represents something that the people believe in, listen to me, if the church is a place that the people believe in, that the people wear the restraint of the vision in, then the place becomes an icon that people look at. And an icon is something that is an example. Somebody that's an icon, a person that is an icon, is an example of whatever they do. In the world that I came out of, you know, in, in the golfing world, Jack Nicholas is an icon. He's an icon for the way that golf should be played. Michael Jordan is an icon for basketball. Michael Jordan is the example of the way things should be done. People that wear the restraints of the vision in this house, this place becomes an icon, and so we get involved in making sure that people that are moved by how something looks are not taken out before they can even find out what is really going on. Yes? And so, I've been spending the last year or so asking God how to take this place to another level, and understanding how to do it, but how to do it in the right way. Um, so, I'm just going to share a few things with you. Um. You know, we talked about Wednesday night, I'm just gonna share this thing because it, it this this thread has been moving through everything that we're talking about. And and it's and it's this that this common thread of these two po- these two commandments, number one, the great commandment, which is love God, love people. And the second one, or the, 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 the great commission, is to make disciples. Now, ultimately, the bottom line or the, the hub of the wheel of what makes this place go around is that. If you don't have that, then you don't have anything. The great commandment, when something is great, it's better than just good, Right? So a lot of good commandments in the Bible, but there's a great one. And the great one is love God and love people. And, and the commission, the great commission, there's things that all of us are commissioned to do, but there's one great commission, and that's to make disciples. And if you are learning to not be about yourself and focusing on somebody, somebody out there, somebody you come in contact with, with somewhere, your life will help disciple them if you understand who you are in God, and where do you find that out? The Bible says that the church is the pillar of truth, right? It's the house of God, the foundation, the pillar of where the truth is delivered. So when you are the restraints of the vision of the house, you receive the teaching of the Word of God, and it begins to change and mold your life, okay? Okay? Then what happens is you begin to wear the restraints so that when you start thinking less of yourself and more about other people and just aware of the needs of other people and your life comes in contact with them, then your life will disciple them to follow the things of God the same way you're following God. But if you're following you, your life's going to teach other people how to follow just them. If you're not tied to something bigger than you are, you'll never become everything you were created to be. I'm going to say that again. If you're not tied to something that's bigger than you are, you'll never become who you're created to be, ever. Because you need, you need the church, and the church needs you. We need each other. Amen? So those two things are a thread that's moving through everything that we're talking about this year. And everything that we do. Number one, the great commandment to love God and love people. And number two, the great commission that people that are loving God and loving people are discipling those people so that their heart and desires to follow after the things of God. Amen? Amen. Now, um, Psalm 65 and verse 11. That's why it's Isaiah. That won't work. That wasn't saying what I wanted it to say. Um, Psalm 65 and verse 11. God crowns the year with goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. God crowns the year with goodness. There's something that God does when, there's something that happens, I'll say it like this, when what we do is what God wants done. So when we cast vision from God, there's something that God does in crowning the year with abundance. When we do what God wants, God crowns what we do with abundance. Something that's really clear right here. And five things that we've talked about at different times, but I'm, I'm giving these to you again. Five things that in a congregation where people are going to wear the restraint of the vision, there's five things that people must be connected to. So for you to be connected to something, it's got to be offered. You You don't just connect to something that's not there, you connect to something that is offered. And the first thing is, what has to be offered in the body is a right relationship with Jesus and the understanding of bringing others to God. God wants you to connect to that. We've been talking about that all year. God wants you to connect with how to do it. It's not something that's easy to do. It's not, you know, if if you're the kind of person that is not real friendly with other people, then it's not real easy to just be friendly to somebody that you don't know. You know, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, going through a drive-through somewhere. You know, going. Going into a convenience store. I mean, you know, we we live in convenience store heaven, you know, today. I mean, everybody goes in a convenience store. Why? Because it's convenient. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's a whole lot more convenient than going into Walmart and need one thing and have to stand behind 28 people. About all the time. Everybody say, bless Walmart. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right now I can bless them. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm not standing in that line with one item. And there's 28 people ahead of me. There was 28 people ahead of me the other day, and it was the shortest line. There were three lines open. I mean, I about... Find me a manager and let me give them a piece of my mind. Anyway... (laughs) Everybody say, bless Walmart. Yes. Bless Walmart and shop at H-E-B. Anyway. (laughs) I'm just playing. Just cut that out of the tape right there. Just cut that out of there. Anyway. So, (laughs) right relationship and a pastor that gets delivered in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Number two. What you have to uh, offer is... The desire to, church, to to attend church on a regular basis, people to wear the restraint of the vision. They got to be here, but they got to want to be here. So you don't you don't you don't hammer people about being in church. You have, you offer things that, that cause them to want to be here. Another thing that a person has to be connected to. To where the restraint of the vision is tithing and seed sowing. But they've got to to connect to it and want to do it. They've got to see that it's something that that God is not, it's not something being taken from them, it's something that God is getting to them. God is getting His blessing and His economy and, and causing them to be connected to that economy. Amen? Fourth thing is being able to serve on some form of a team. Whatever that would be, as you're here and, and our gatherings that we hold over here now for new people, uh, when you come in, if you're new today, next week after, right after service, we'll have uh, some of our leadership in there and, and be explaining to you the vision of the house and how to get connected to the house. And then the next thing is, and, and this is something that we're starting before long, is is to be be connected to a connect group, which are which are all centered around activities. And, and uh, on Wednesday night, we talked about the list of different activities that, that are, are going to be presented so that you can connect and be a part of, so that you can get connected to people. And the way that new people come in, or people that get saved in the house, or people that get saved through your life and you bring them to the house, they need to be able to be connected to small groups where you have activities and get to know each other. It's vitally important. So be watching for the date for the kickoff for our connect groups and, and be, become a part of those. When there's sign-up sheets for those lists, sign up for them. They're, they're, not, they're not connect groups that are going to wear you out. They're going to be once a month. And and what what should happen is, in a connect group, what should happen is that people say things like, we ought to meet more often. That's what should happen instead of, oh, my God. It's another, man, it's connect group, not I gotta, you know. But it needs to be something that they look forward to. And what it's about is just relationship. There's no teaching in these connect groups. In this set of connect groups that are starting, it's all around activities so you get to know people. Yes? So Ephesians six. I mean, Ephesians 4 <clears throat> and verse 16. You can read the verses before this, but I want to just focus on this one verse. Um, this passage talks about the purpose of the church and the teaching of the Word of God so that it builds people up and brings people to a, an understanding. And then in verse 16... It talks about the body. And it says, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. One translation says, Closely knitted. Closely knitted. From whom the whole body joined and closely knitted together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in what? In love. What's the great commandment? Love God and love people. See, and so when you read this verse of Scripture, you see some energy that is involved in making this thing, which is the church, the unit of the church, be effective. There's some energy that's involved here. It's not something that's just going to come together. Not going to just, ah, you know, we'll work it all out. It's not, you know, it'd be nice if it worked that way, but it doesn't work that way. It takes stepping out of your comfort zone and being, being challenged to kind of get a little closer And get a little closer to people. Because the closeness in the church is about becoming closer to people. Now, listen. (laughs) Remember when during our Holy Spirit series, each time I said, I made this statement that you need help. Right? And I'm telling you today, we all need help. We weren't created to do things on our own. But I'm going to say this today also, and I believe it's the truth, that everybody has some form of a wall or another. Everybody's got something in their life that wants to resist connection. Because the reason I know that's true is because there is such fights for connection, right? If, if the stats were showing that you know, less than 1% of married couples in America were ending in divorce, that wouldn't necessarily be true. But the stats are saying even in the church world, the, the divorce rate, or in, in other words, the staying connected rate, is somewhere between 60 and 70%. It's a battle. I mean, it's a battle. You ever been close to somebody? They stuck you in the back, and now you're not close anymore. And then what happens when somebody sticks you in the back? Wall goes up. I ain't trusting a soul. What if Jesus would have done that? He's being tortured. He's being whipped. He's being beaten. And you know what the Bible says? They all forsook him. What if he, what if, you know if, the, you know, if the scenario of the passion of the Christ is kind of what happened to him, all of a sudden he gets about two-thirds of the way up that hill and he goes, eh, forget this. They all don't care about me anyway. They all forsook me. They've all turned their back on me. Angels of God come and annihilate this bunch. And you know, the Bible clearly reveals to us that he could have done that. He could have called legions of angels to annihilate humanity. That's not why he came. He came to give himself so that you and I can be free, so we could give ourselves to other people. That's the truth of the gospel. It's the truth of the church. It's what the church is here for. Otherwise, man... Let's just go on our merry ways and let's just do our own thing and let's just have our own careers and our own lives and I'm going to live inside my little picket fence and forget you. And that's what's easy to do. It's very easy to do. I mean, and you know, it'd be easy for me. You know, and just go and do my own thing and it be easy for me as a, as a person. I'm not talking about as a pastor, just as a person, just to do my own thing. But today, it wouldn't be easy. Because I've been trained. I'm wearing the restraint of the vision of the body of Jesus Christ, but the restraint of the vision of this house. And there's a harness on me, and it won't let me just jerk the harness off and bite through it and go somewhere else and and, and do whatever it is that I want to do. I want to run wild and be whatever I want to be. No, I'm wearing the restraint. And that's what the vision of the Word of God and the vision of this house is supposed to give you so that you can wear the restraint of the vision and understand how to walk it out and accomplish together with those who are around you what we've been sent to this city, to this state, and to the nation and the planet for. Amen? It's what we're here for. That's why we're here. That's why we're alive. As Chad said earlier, thank God we're alive. Amen? You're alive and be thankful. Amen. So, closely knitted together. So, one of the things, and, and I'm going I'm to just tie my message up. I said all that to say what I'm going to talk about in this next little piece, and, I, and I'll end with this. So, as we are closely knitted together, and what I just shared with you is what. The, the real vision of the heart of God is. God, God wants developed in you a love for Him and a love for people because you can't separate the two because He is love and He loves people. So when you have a love for Him, automatically what happens is the love for people begins to turn where you've had walls up and you haven't trusted people and all that kind of stuff the more you love God in other words the more you come and hear the word and allow the holy spirit to reveal the truth of the word to you what happens is you just begin to automatically not only love people but you trust them to a certain place i mean there's a you know trust has to be won you, you you don't you don't just you don't just ignore things and just let people run over you, but, but your focus isn't on somebody taking advantage of you because they can't take advantage of you if you're dead to yourself. And the more we learn to do that and understand our love for God, then we begin to love people and realize that people that have vindictive things inside of them, they need to be free too. And how are they going to get free if you don't get free? Because people aren't going to just get free. They're not going to receive some message written in the clouds or in a tortilla somewhere telling you, you know, that God is real. They're not, they're going to find it from people like you and me, see? And, and when, they, when, they see, when they see that you and I are free, and they see that there are things different about us, and when they see you overlook what they do in the natural and still love them anyway, oh my gosh, that freaks people out. That freaks them out. Have I ever told you the story about the little lady in the valley at the car dealership? Have I ever told that story? (laughs) I'm just playing with you because I've told it at least a dozen times that I can remember. But I'm going to tell you again. (laughs) Because it's a really good story. And then I'm going to end with my passage here. It's a really good story. And I'm not going to mention names because it does not matter which dealership it was, it was. a, it was a, you know, major car dealership, and and uh, I was, I had an automotive detail business where I went from dealership to dealership and did work and did things on, on the cars. I, I would go to. The, I had a van and I'd take my product and I would do work on the, on their cars, and uh, and at this dealership, and, and a number of the dealerships, when I when I lived down there. I started Bible studies and these things just because people wanted it, but the owner of this dealership's son just came back from college, and 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 they were part of a denominational church. But he was, I mean, he was strung out on everything you could be strung out on. But he but he knew the business and he's just wild. And one day, he comes to me and I'm I'm doing work on some cars and he comes up to me and he says, uh, he said I heard that that you're a Christian. I said, uh, yeah, guilty. And he says. He goes, so I heard that you pray in tongues or whatever, you know. And he said, "Well, what does that have to do with being a Christian? I mean, what does that have to do with anything with you?" So well, he said, "It's it's not of God." So he starts telling me these things that are not of God, and on and so I'm listening to him, you know. And so I leave, and day after day after day, and and I mean, I I mean, I got to the point where if my van even got close to that dealership, he was standing out on the corner waiting for me to show up. Because he wanted to talk to me. Long story short, this guy gets saved, gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. You know, I mean, sins a ruckus through his whole family. They're freaked out. You know, and but it was him wanting it. You know, I, I didn't push anything on him. So his grandmother, his grandmother paid all the bills at the place. And so when I did my work and I'd take my receipt in, when when I first started going there, people said, man. That woman is a witch. you got to watch out for her, man. She won't pay you. It may take 30 days to get, you know, your, your checks paid and, and on the receipts that you turn in. And so, man, the first time they told me that, I thought, man, here's a challenge, you know. And, and, and over about a five year, four, year, four or five-year period of time, this lady and I became like this. I mean, here I am, I'm an automotive detail guy, and I get paid before anybody. (laughs) I mean, my checks are sitting up on the top because because I worked on this woman, you know? And I mean, mean, the relationship that I... I mean, and I'm telling you, I never spent more than five minutes with this woman. Never more than five minutes ever in five years. And I left the valley and I moved up here. And about a year later... About a year later, I heard she was driving down the road, somebody ran a stoplight, hit her, broadsided her car, and killed her, and there was a day, there was a day that I led that lady to God because, because I let her be mean to me, I let her be angry with me, I let her not pay me for 30 or 60 days in the first few months that I was going there. And I just kept loving the lady. I mean, it made me so mad sometimes. I wanted to spit. I wanted to go in there, you know, take a whip. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I mean, just nail this lady. But man, I was working on something. I was working on something. And by by a year into to working there, man, my check was there. If I turn I always turn my receipts in on Friday and Monday, there was my check. Every week. And everybody else was complaining. You know. But then over time, she quit doing that because of the seed that I sowed in that lady's life. You know? And and She's born again. She's in heaven today because I chose not to take an offense at something that I, was, I could be easily offended about when something goes contrary to the way I want it. Kind of like 28 people at Walmart. <laughs> I'm still working on that one. <laughs> I mean, I've I mean, I, I, I pretty much got it. <laughs> You know, but uh, when I really need to be somewhere, and I'm thinking, why did I come in this place? You know. But you know what? W- w- what do we have to gain? What do we have to gain? What is a prophet of many? Acts like everybody else acts. Nothing. When we do things and treat other people in certain ways, then all of a sudden, life begins to change, and people want what you have and then we got to have a place for people to come to hear the truth of the word being taught people need to hear a message like holy spirit to help they need to be able to hear something like that people need to be able to hear a message about who they are in christ they need to be able to hear a message about the righteousness of god and understanding the truths of god's word and how to be a doer of the word not just to hear and walk in deception people need to know that that's why you need a place so In Exodus 35, and I'm going to end with these passages right here. And we'll talk about this some more later before we have our heart for the house. But in Exodus 35, I'm just going to leave you with these thoughts. This is, Exodus 35 is... And 36 is when Moses went to the people about building the tabernacle in the wilderness. In other words, the house of God in the wilderness. When the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, that they needed a house and needed a place. It wasn't an actual house, but they needed a place, and it was the tabernacle of God. And I just want you to notice several verses through Exodus 35. I'm just going to read these real quickly and then make my point in verse 30, in chapter 36. Verse 4 says, And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart, and let him bring it. Whoever is of a willing heart, and let him bring it. And verse 10 says, And all who were gifted among you shall come and make all that, God, that, the, that the Lord has commanded. And, 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 he, and he goes on to say about different talents and abilities that people have to do certain things. And then in verse 20 it says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart stirred And everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all of its service, and for the holy garments. So those who were of a willing heart. And in verse 30, Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Beelzel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of craftsmanship. And so the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding and the abilities that were there, because he had a willing heart, he was able to give. And many of them were able to give and do, even of their talents and their abilities, to see the tabernacle of the, of, of the Lord accomplished. And then in chapter 36... And in verse 2, then Moses called those two guys every gifted artesian in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making of the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him freewill offerings every morning. And all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service to the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained, From bringing, for the material that they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, there was too much. Now, that I know of or that I've ever heard, this is the first time, the only time in the history of the world that the church was restrained from giving because they had given too much. And the reason why, the reason why is because because it started out and Moses' command to them was the offering to be brought is only those of a willing heart or whose hearts stir them. And when I used to, I used to teach this passage. I used to teach it years ago. And, And when I would teach it, I felt like, what I said came off as though, you know, okay, there's, there's a handful of those who have a willing heart and everybody else is scum. It just seemed like it came off that way, you know. But, but here's the thing. Do you, have you, ever, have you ever been closed off about a specific subject and then your heart opened up? Yeah. And the reason I'm sharing this with you today is in 24 years of being the pastor of this church, my wife and I pastoring here for 24 years, n- never, not, not one time, not one time have we ever received an offering in this place because of a need. Not once. Other than other people having needs and us receiving offering for the needs of people and, and in benevolent ways. But never in 24 years have we ever received an offering because of a need because needs will deceive you and if you've ever heard that if you've ever heard the statement and I've heard it for years and years that what preachers want is your money our purpose since we've been here is to destroy that because what that does in people's minds is it shuts them off from being able to liberally give from their heart to receive back to give again, to, which, which that process, giving, giving to receive back to give again, establishes the covenant of God in your life financially so that you're tied to the economy of God and not the economy of the world. We live in the economy of the world. I don't deny that. But we don't have to let the economy of the world affect how we, if you will, do business. Because we live by faith and not by what we see. I'm not talking about doing things idiotic and stupid and writing checks for things you don't have money for and believing that God's going to put money in your... God doesn't deal in Federal Reserve notes. There's none in heaven. He's not putting anything in your account. Yeah, but Pastor, one time this... Well, yeah, but somebody else put it in there. Somebody else did something. So we're not think we're not, I'm not talking about doing stupid things. See. But not one time in in, in 24 years have we ever done that for a purpose. And that's not what this is about. But God showed us a year or more ago that to accomplish everything that we're going to accomplish in this place for our city and this state and the world. Everybody has to wear the restraint of the vision of this house, and in the financial realm also. But anything that we do in the future, anything that we do, listen to me, before you leave here today, anything that we do here in the future, and we'll have a a specific day every year that will be from here on out, and and it'll be one, it'll be at a later date this year, but it, it will be a day that we call Heart for the House. It'll be a day when people have the opportunity to give towards the furthering of this house and this property. And, and and, hear me when I say this. If your heart is not desiring to do it, I'll say it. If you're not convinced about it, it's not something that you have on you to do. There's no pressure. You won't... You won't Lose your membership here if you're a member of the body. Okay? You're not going to lose your membership in the body of Jesus Christ. Nobody's going to look down on you in any way, shape, or form. This is to give people an opportunity to give into something that's bigger than they are that causes things to come back to them to be empowered to be able to do more than what they've ever done before. That's that is the truth of this book. In Genesis 8, it says, as long as heaven and earth is intact, so is seed time and harvest time. Not just seed time without harvest time, but seed time and harvest time, and it works. And it's always worked, and it will always work. And what I'm talking to you about today in the form of vision is giving you the opportunity to sow into something that is bigger than you. And There'll be a later time and a later date but I wanted to take this service in reminding you about the vision of the house and reminding you about the things that we are actually here for, and that's to learn to love God and love people and to make disciples of people so that they follow after God and they walk in Christ likeness and the truth of God's word. That's what we're here for. And, and, that, and how that looks and how that expands, you know, will work and we'll have different tools, continually different tools and opportunities and ways to meet and reach people, but ultimately it goes back to what we're talking about. Loving God and loving people and making disciples. That's the hub of what Gates of the City is about, because that is that is the meat of the revelation of who God is and what his kingdom is about. Can you say amen? amen. So, in just, in just ending today, <clears throat> in fact, I'll just read the scripture as I end with this today. I did say that that other passage was last, right? <clears throat> but this, you'll like this. So this is the commission from Paul, that Paul gave Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17. He said, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 18. Let them do good. They may be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. Storing up for themselves, watch this, Storing up for themselves when they're willing uh, when when they are ready to give and willing to share, they store up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Have you ever asked the question, you know, I've done this and I've done this for God and I've honored God, but where is my harvest? Where is my harvest? There is an answer for everything in the Word. And where a harvest is, is tied up between what we're doing and when we're going to receive. And the Bible says, if you don't quit, you'll reap. Done. So you know what that means? You have to keep doing what you're doing. And be faithful to it. And it'll work if you stay and remain faithful to what God has told you to do. Even in your mistakes, even in the difficulties, even in things that seem like it doesn't work, God will come through and it will work if you remain faithful and you stay strong. Can you say amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, today we thank you for your word, for the truth. You said we'll know the truth and it'll make us free, mentally, emotionally, and in every way. You said you will know the truth, and the truth shall make us free. I declare today, Lord, that your people are liberated and free in their thinking, that they hear right, they understand what you're saying to them, what you're speaking to them, and, and, that, and the truth that they hear not only liberates their lives, but then positions them to be the blessing to others as we're talking about today. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've done, for all that you've accomplished in us, and we give you all the praise. And everybody said amen. amen. and Amen.